Hello again, and welcome to the Break the Twitch podcast on minimizing distractions and doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro. In this episode, number 25, the final episode of season two, I'm chatting with Stephanie Domrose. She's an entrepreneur, coach, and the authentic beauty artist behind Imbue, a business focused on empowering women to feel beautiful inside and out. Stephanie shares how she envisioned and intentionally designed her business model over the years. We discuss how building a bridge may be better than taking a leap when it comes to starting something new. We hit on decluttering and the process Stephanie went through to declutter her entire life and pretty much start over, how possessions aren't necessarily bad, from her daily routines, fitness, creativity, to mindset work that Stephanie has done. This episode is sure to get you envisioning ways to choose your own story. As we close season two of the podcast, I want to give a hearty thanks to all of the Break the Twitch community members, the members that make this podcast possible, specifically to do advertisement and sponsor free. In exchange for supporting our work here with the podcast, we give you a bunch of beneficial things, including a 20-minute coaching call with me, 168 plus days of audio courses. Those are three to five minute daily audio episodes that you get to listen to to help you set an intention for the day. And there are all sorts of different topics and courses that you can choose from. There is the Slack community where we gather online to ask questions and discuss different topics and more. There's a ton of stuff to check out and you can see it all at breakthetwitch.com slash community. So Go there, check out more information. We deeply appreciate your support. And finally, I have just one more ask, and that is if you've enjoyed this podcast or any specific episodes of the podcast, please do take a moment to just go on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It doesn't matter if it's on Apple Podcasts or the player of your choosing, but reviews are hugely helpful, and it would mean the world to me if you took a moment to do that. Overall, I really just want to say thank you from me and Amy, the producers of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube, for leaving comments, for sending emails of support to us saying that you appreciate our work. It really does mean a lot to us as we work to produce intentional media, things that help us change our lives for the better, share diverse opinions and ideas and strategies about all these different things. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing these episodes. And thank you for being a part of the Break the Twitch family. I really do appreciate it. And with that, I would love to share this conversation that I had with Stephanie. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start the show. So Stephanie, tell me a little bit about what you're up to these days and and what kind of stuff you're getting into. I'm up to a lot of different things right now and I'm kind of in transition, which I feel like 
I say that a lot. So maybe I'm always in transition. You too, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe we all are. Um, There are moments where you feel like you've got it all figured out. Right now, I am doing all of the things at once, but not for very much longer. So I have been doing hair and makeup for 13 years. And I started my own business two years ago. And part of the business was coaching for one-on-one coaching, for life coaching. And then the other part of the business is hair and makeup. So with that, I have um, weddings that I do on the weekend with a small team and a very small salon clientele that I see just for one week every five weeks. And then I'll do some commercial work with um, photo shoots and on-set stuff too. So all of that is happening. And then in April, I'm going to be done with taking clients in the salon. So that'll be a very big transition. It's also taking away my safety net that I've had for 13 years. So it's exciting and terrifying. And um, it's definitely signifying the the next chapter because the thing that I really want to dive into is the coaching side of what I do. And so I'm currently in the beta round of my e-course that I created called Choose Your Story. And so that has been such a labor of love. And I feel like I've been writing it for the last four years in my head. And I've found several different iterations of it, actually, because I like to clear out my excess clutter. And I found like four versions of this, or maybe five that I've written over the past couple of years. And Uh, To see it actually come to life and have its own workbook and then have people sign up for it is just really, really cool. Um, And I think once I had that tangible thing, I was like, okay, now I know where I'm going to take this and I'm comfortable eliminating some of the other things that I do because focusing on everything is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Can't (laughs) do everything all the time. No. That that is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the things professionally that I'm working on. Awesome. Well, we have a lot to talk about now uh, because you said the the keywords, which are clutter (laughs) and creating some space uh, in your work schedule and, and safety net and all of those things. So I'm curious around the transition you're making, especially from the aspect of reducing and kind of streamlining the business that you're doing with this salon Mm -hmm. or running that type of work. And you really, sounds like you set that up in a very strategic way so that you could start focusing on some other things. Yes. What was the catalyst that caused you to start doing that? I realized that I had hit kind of a ceiling where I was working. I was working uh, for Jute Salon. They're Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love them. Um, But I had hit a spot where I had explored all of the different avenues of working for that company. And with that type of work, the more hours that you're there at the salon, the more money you make. And so there's that direct correlation of like, well, if I want to level up here, I can work 10 more hours a week or 15 more hours a week. or And, and so it's sort of like, where does that end? And how how am I able to conserve my energy at the same time and still feel like I'm moving forward because progress is really important to me. And so when I was thinking about starting my own business and what that might look like, I realized that if I just had a small amount of my clients who wanted to keep seeing me, 
and I only saw them for one week every five weeks. So I have them in on a rotation. Some people get their hair cut every five weeks, sometimes every 10. And I started doing color too. I realized I could have all of this open space and free time to create this other thing. Well, first to explore this other thing, because I didn't really know exactly what it was yet or what it looked like. But with the way that my energy was being used at the time, I didn't have the mental space to really discover what was there and pay attention to what is there. And so I needed to create that. And that's what, that was the catalyst. So what was the very first thing you did? Was it literally calling a bunch of clients or like blocking off your calendar? How do you actually take action on that, that process? Yeah. The vision is the first step. And I use this with my coaching clients too. And it's, it's in my, my course, there's actually a free guided meditation that you can use for this. But if you're not clear on what you want and, and how it feels to get there or how you want to feel really is what it comes down to. It's really hard to decide anything to make any decisions. And so once I saw that I wanted more space in my life, I wanted more freedom for creativity. I wanted more financial freedom and I wanted to, I wanted to call the shots. I wanted to have my own business. I didn't want to boss anymore. So, and so once I had that vision first, and then secondly, once I allowed that to be okay, mm. I was able to take those steps because there's this, this is something I was just talking to someone the other day about. We, when things in our life are otherwise good, I was making a good living. I worked for an amazing company. I had amazing clients, still do, but when I was there, I did. And a lot of them, and they were very, very loyal. It's hard to admit and take responsibility for the fact that you want something different. And so when you can acknowledge that and then allow yourself to go down that path, then you can really start taking the steps to get there. So hmm. it's the the non-tangible steps, the imagining and the emotional work that were the catalysts. Isn't it amazing how a lot of the time it's easy to look at these types of things that we need to do, like the the process, right? And so much so much of it can be in completely intangible. So much of growth and so much of getting to the next step is like you just said being okay with it. That was huge for me, just realizing that that is an actual real step. Yes. Is like, I see this vision for myself. And then actually, this is a real thing that I can do. And just because things are okay now doesn't mean that it's not okay to pursue that. Yes. That's huge. Yes. Yeah. And only once you can get there mentally, can you take the actual steps towards like the physical steps, like you, like you were saying towards what it is that you're trying to create. You can schedule the things that you need to do. You can clear the spots on your calendar, but if you emotionally can't get yourself there yet, it's really, really hard to stay on task and really get to your goals. Mm -hmm. Once you found yourself embracing the okayness, like already being okay, but wanting something more, wanting growth and something different, what was the next part of the process for you? Because so many people, I think, get stuck in yeah. that place. Yeah. So 
For me, the next step was looking at people that I knew or friends of friends that I knew who were living the life that I wanted to live. Hmm. And so I reached out to these people and said, hey, I'm thinking about making, taking a leap, doing something different. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about it? And I ended up connecting with people that I haven't talked to in like 10 years in some instances. And it gave me some new perspective because I didn't know what I didn't know. I, I didn't know how to get from where I was to where I was going. I just knew that that's where I was going to be. <laughs> so by hearing other people's stories about how their outcome looked, I was able to put together like, okay, I could do it this way. I could do it this way. These are my options. So there, there's a research phase where you have to kind of get out there and be like, okay, what are my options? What feels good to me? What works with my life and my vision? Because going and doing exactly what someone else did isn't the right thing either. But uh, but you have to explore a little bit and let that be okay. And also let it be okay that, that you might explore something for a little bit and then completely reroute, which I also did in the couple months between when I made the decision and then actually left the salon. So mm -hmm. the rerouting, the testing and rerouting is, uh, is, is a big part of this. I'm sure. What was uh, an example of one of your reroutes? When I was still at the, at jute at the salon, I had this vision for being a coach full time. And so I started blogging about coaching while I was there. And my plan was that I chose the date and that I would be done by that date. And I would just do freelance makeup and hair and have my coaching business, which was awesome. And that's, that's actually the step that I'm taking now two years later. Mm -hmm. But what I realized very quickly is that I would be putting a lot of stress on myself to figure out what the coaching business would look like right away. And while there is some value in taking away a safety net and then just jumping off the cliff, like some people do operate really well in that way, I realized that I needed a little more financial stability a little more cushion to feel like I had the room to create that, that I needed to create. And so I think there's a lot of just, there's a lot of appeal around entrepreneurship and that you're like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go do this thing and it's going to be great. And then we live, you know, free and happy and never look back. And the reality is a lot of entrepreneurs hang on to their day jobs well into their entrepreneurship adventure. Mm -hmm. And that's just what you need to do in order to really make sure that you have what you need to support you. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting process of going through the build phase. And it, it, it is amazing that it's easy to read like Entrepreneur Magazine or any online blog at this point around entrepreneurship and business, making money online or this kind of thing, and feel like it's so glorified, like yeah. the laptop lifestyle yeah. and all this other stuff about what it means to be an entrepreneur these days or do this kind of thing. And I have a friend uh, named Jeff Goins who writes, uh, he's a writer, author, and he writes on his blog about writing, how to write better and, hmm. and explore creativity in that way. And he always says, don't 
uh, take a leap, build a bridge hmm, to like your that. to your next thing. And at first, I I definitely took a leap when I left Nice Ride. I didn't really have a full plan of what it would look like, and there was definitely a leap there. Mm-hmm. And when people come to me now. Uh, talking about what should I do? Should I have this idea? Should I quit my job and try to do this? I'm just like, "Mm -mm, no, (laughs) like do whatever you can to try to explore these ideas because you're going to have to go through a few things first. We're we're on our fourth iteration of doing stuff that may or may not work, you know? Yes. And and so that is always what I tell people too now. I used to be very gung-ho, like, yeah, like take the leap, like do it. it. But that's such a cultural thing now that is glorified in so many ways. So it's cool to hear that you like had this idea, adjusted a bit, realized you needed more of that financial stability and security, which I totally get. Yeah. And now two years later, you're like reigniting that sort of movement or that vision around that and, and doing that. Yes. I think one of the things that was really important for me too when I did reroute was that there was a part of me that thought, that because I was rerouting, that I was saying no to my dream and that it meant that I was never going to get there. And that's not true. You get to choose if you're going to get there or not. And so I had to come to terms with that a little bit and then really give myself the space to create the thing that I wanted to create in, in the way that I wanted to. And the reality of it is, just as you said, most things are in process all the time. It's really easy for someone to look at something once it's done or maybe look at Break the Twitch now and be like, oh man, that's awesome. And that he probably just put that together and it's always been the amazing thing that it is today. And the reality is that everything is always in process and you're always changing it because that's the only way that you continue to grow. So you have to allow yourself that space and that time and that takes a little compassion. For sure. And thank you. And <laughs> all of the uh, the things that come into the process of, of building something and the fact that online it's easier to kick over a sandcastle than it is to build one for yourself and that whole thing of the comparison trap that you can fall into because online especially, again, going back to that space, when you even on a personal Facebook page, you share something, there's a quantifiable number of likes that that thing gets. Mm-hmm a quantifiable amount of interaction and you might not be measuring it like a business in that instance, but you notice, you notice how many people are looking at your stuff for responding or care about what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And in a broader sense online too, it's even worse if if it's a business or if it's like something you're trying to grow and really make into something that you believe in. Uh, it, It gets tricky when you can quantify everything so much and it's so easy to compare when there's just direct numbers to compare to. Yes, because your heart is wrapped up into it. So many entrepreneurs were creators, right? So that comes from inspiration. That comes from you, your spirit. You just, you create this thing and then you're like, this is me, you know, in this other form. And so there's a certain level of having to take the emotion out of it and look at it as this is this is the business that I'm creating. Let's look at the analytics to see how I can grow it where I need to reroute. And, and really I've found that if I make it less about me and more about how I can reach the people that need to hear my message or how I can help people better, 
then it's less about me underperforming <laughs> in some way and more about, okay, I need a new strategy to make sure that the right people are hearing this message. Yeah, total total paradigm shift yes. with uh, that perspective yes. obviously changing and um, that kind of thing. It's re- yeah, those are really important things around just even stepping outside of the whole entrepreneurship realm of just the day-to-day. I've been mm-hmm. thinking a lot recently about just paradigm and like how we perceive things that are happening and what actually might be happening. This is something I've been thinking about. It's kind of off the wall a little bit, but have you ever had the experience where you're driving and someone like kind of cuts you off or honks at you and you get mad, you're instantly angry, Mm -hmm. and then you're driving and then you look in the driver's seat and you see that it was your friend. (laughs) And you're, what happens? You're instantly not mad anymore. Yeah. Because the paradigm shifted. Right. And so often I think we go through our lives in a paradigm of creating a story that doesn't exist. Yes. And and which perfectly ties into choose your story. Totally. Oh my goodness. Uh, totally. And and so more and more and more I'm trying to find awareness around my own perception of what story I'm telling myself yes. in this way. What's interesting about that too is that you were in a reactive state there. Someone cuts you off, knee-jerk reaction, and you're mad. And so when you're learning to actively choose your story, which is the name of the course that I created, then you have made those mindset shifts. There is a paradigm shift. You're not assuming that, you know, that someone was trying to cut you off or, mm-hmm. or you're just a little more protective of, or aware of your thoughts when they come through before the emotion goes there, uh, then you can really choose who you want to be in that situation. And it's kind of amazing, isn't it? When you start paying attention to the stories that you have about your life, there's so many of them. And it's not just when you're driving, right? There are stories about your life in every room of your house in the outfits that you wear, in how you choose to show yourself on social media. You're choosing to be present in your world in a certain way. And there's a lot of power there too if you learn to choose to show up in the way that's getting you to where you want to go. I follow you on Instagram And I see that you talk about beauty a lot Mm -hmm. or the idea of beauty. And I know that you're coming from, you're doing like, you're making people physically, you know, more beautiful, like for their special events, for productions, you're doing certain things. But I feel like it goes a lot deeper within the context of what you're talking about. Would you mind giving me some of that context and and telling me more about what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. And I've actually had a love-hate relationship with the word beauty and beautiful because I think that one side of it can be very superficial and that a lot of people use their beauty routine as a way to cover up their insecurities and present themselves in a way that's not, not necessarily authentic to the world. It's more of a mask that we wear. And so my mission with beauty is a little bit more to use it as a way to express yourself authentically. And then also, I, and I tell people this all the time when I'm doing their makeup, I can only accentuate what's there. 
makeup, I mean, I'm not putting masks on people. I do natural makeup. And some some of the makeup I do for runway shows and stuff like that ends up being more dramatic, more artistic. But for the most part, it's bridal makeup or for photo shoots. And this is me accentuating your natural features, your natural beauty. And so using it as a tool to really accentuate what you have uh, and as a form of expression, I think is, is my take on beauty and inner beauty and outer beauty aspect to it too. And I think that that's how my worlds sort of intertwine with each other is that the coaching is very much about cultivating an, uh, an inner world that's beautiful. And then the outer world would be, you know, the physical beauty part. Um, and when you're working in alignment with your inner world and your outer world, and both are expressions of you and who you really want to be, then that's beautiful. Then that's balanced. Then that's your best life, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's funny because in the language of Break the Twitch, we talk about aligning action with values yes, and aligning the things that actually show up day to day, what you're doing with the, the things you hold most deeply in terms of what you care about because it's easy to, to feel like family is really important to say that these things, health or different things are really important, but have the little things you're doing every day not really line up with that because of the twitch, right? Yes. And if I hear you correctly, like aligning that sense of inner beauty with how you feel outwardly and what you're expre- how you're expressing yourself uh, is obviously very <laughs> similar in that way. That's really cool. Yeah, I love how you explain that too with Break the Twitch. And that's very close to what we do in the Choose Your Story e-course too is there's a values segment very early on in the course and then everything else from there is what we build on and then figure out how to use it as a filter for your experiences so that you're creating things that are actually meaningful to you and then also expressing through those values and i think that it you know all that stuff is connected we just maybe talk about it in a different way mm-hmm. as you were going through and creating the the course that you made how did you discover and lay out that process? Was that some, from something that y- you directly went through and had to find that self-discovery of the process to get yourself through? Yeah. I was a very unaware person at one point in my life. Uh, I went through a really big life transition about four and a half years ago and woke up one day and totally didn't recognize myself anymore and was living in a house that I kind of hated in a really unhealthy relationship and wasn't feeling fulfilled in my job. And I looked at myself from the outside and and wondered how I had gotten there Mm. and started this process of kind of pulling away all of the crap. Can I say bullshit? Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) Pulling away all of the bullshit from my life, all the masks I have been wearing, all the roles that I'd been playing for so long because I felt like I'm I'm a rule follower. Mm. I like to make the rules now that I'm aware that I'm doing them, but I had kind of painted myself into this box of this is who I need to be for the other people in my life. And this is who I'm expected to be. And so that's what I'm going to do. And so when I realized that I had a choice and I was choosing not to actively make decisions in my life, that was super empowering and also embarrassing 
because I realized that I had gotten myself into this situation by being passive. So that was a hard pill to swallow. And I went through this big process of getting rid of everything that I had. I uh, reduced all of my belongings into uh, enough that just filled one room in my friend's house and my car. Um, So it started with clothes and shoes, and then it ended with my husband. (laughs) Uh, And, and from that place, I was really able to explore and discover or rediscover who I was underneath it all. And that's when I first discovered what coaching really is. And through my experiences with a couple different coaches and therapy and Mm -hmm. all of those helpful things, I realized that I'm someone who really wants to have a roadmap. I want a tangible, this is how you get from point A to point B, which is not how life works. But I was like, that would be ideal. So if I were to, instead of living in, because I was still kind of living in reaction, I was like, oh my God, I hate everything. Let's get rid of it all and start over. It was like that sort of, well, you would call it a twitch, right? Knee-jerk reaction. But then I started to think about how would this look if I were to do it on purpose? If I were to take myself through the process of change, which is what we're all doing all the time, if you're actually actively participating in your life, how can I do that and have a result that's not, maybe not predictable, but at least in alignment with who I actually am? And so I ended up kind of doing my own self-discovery, um, and then also just started writing down, like, the, what are the activities? What are the th- breaking apart the processes that were going on in my brain? What did I have to go through to get from here to here? And it's been, it's been rewritten. Like I said, I have, I've had like four or five iterations of it over the last four years, and I'm sure I'll continue to modify it. But what the result ended up being was this course, and it takes you through the process of intentional change. And the result is that you choose your story. Your story isn't happening to you. Mm-hmm. And it's a tool that the activities within it, I use all the time, like every day. So it's a very real process. Um, and so that's kind of how that came to be. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that and part of the process that got you through this. And I have to ask, uh, you decluttered a lot, and obviously that's on theme. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> so I, I need to ask, from the time that you started this and you made this realization through to you decluttering everything, as you said, all the way up through your husband, a relationship that was not working <laughs> you know, well for you, yeah. how long did that process take? Was it difficult? Did it feel easy? Did it feel light? What was that like? Oh, it was so hard. But it, once you start, you create this beautiful momentum. And I ended up, like I said, I like processes for (laughs) working through things. And so I read Marie Kondo's book like four years ago or whatever. And now she's got the Netflix series, which is great. I think a lot of people are hearing the message um, now that it's being delivered in, in a new way too. And so I started by going through that process, which probably took a few months, I went hard. So I actually went through the whole house and did that every possession that I owned within 
a couple of months maybe. And then even further when I decided to leave my husband. And after that, it was probably another three months before I felt like I had my feet under me. There's like this, there's this discomfort in getting rid of your physical possessions because I think a lot of times we invest part of our identity in what we own. And so once you get rid of that, then it's just you. And you're confronted with a lot of things that you didn't know were there emotionally. Uh, you go through the process of, why did I even buy this in the first place? Why was this important to me? And so that whole emotional experience is really, really heavy, I would say, but then light because you don't have the physical belongings weighing you down anymore. So that part was hard. And then sitting in the discomfort of not having things, I've talked to several people who've gone through this experience. And when you clear all of that clutter, especially when you do it really quickly, there's this impulse to fill it. You're like, got all this blank space. What do I do with it? And it's very uncomfortable. And, and being okay with like wherever you are in the process, because I felt like after I went through that clearing process, I was like, okay, I only want things that I know I'm going to like for a really long time and I'm going to keep them and they're going to be great. And so it kept me from really getting much of anything because I put a lot of pressure on myself to get the right thing. And that's not great either. And so it's, it, you got to kind of find this balance for how you want to move forward and what works for you. Yeah. The identity of stuff is something that comes up a lot uh, in conversations and for me. And, and it's one of the things, in fact, my first, very first YouTube video I ever did was about how I feel like we take ownership within our identity of the stuff in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like ripping a part of us out because mm -hmm. we're no longer the person that has this thing mm -hmm. or is I always use the joke, just like a BMW guy or like yeah. this, letting go of those things literally pulls part of our, our identity away from us yep. and we're left bare, naked, it feels like. Yeah. It's scary. It is. And I think that possessions aren't bad. They're tools for expression is how I like to think of them. And so when you're using them in that way, they can be really empowering and you can use them as like, this is who I am today. This is who, I, who I'm being in the world right now. And if that's BMW guy, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but when things aren't in alignment with who you are and your values, like you had said, then it's time for them to go. It's time for a thank you and goodbye. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is we acquire these things because we have a dream of a life that it will give us. We have an aspiration for ourselves and who we want to be, or we have this image of the roadmap that we're trying to build along the way. And when all of a sudden you realize that that's like not the roadmap that you, you're, you're, you picked up the wrong triptych or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, shit, like, now there you it feels like you're backtracking it yeah. feels like you're undoing a lot of the the identity that you created around this stuff and it's incredibly freeing but yeah it's incredibly painful too yeah the book the 
piano, the musical instrument that never got played, just whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And every, every bit of those things has a story attached to it. And there was the person you were going to be with it. And then who are you without it? Mm -hmm. And a thing that I talk to my clients about a lot is what is really paying attention to what feeling is it that you're trying to achieve? And a lot of times our, our things are attempts at feeling something, feeling whatever it is that we think we're going to feel when we have it. And things don't actually create sustainable feelings, our way of living and our actions do. <laughs> and so I think once you've pulled all of that stuff away, you, you realize your power in a way too, because you don't actually need that stuff to feel abundant, to feel like you've made it, to feel grateful, uh, to feel powerful, any of those things. You can, you can feel those things on your own at any time in your life when you choose to. It's, that's the mind game that we all play. <laughs> and especially like in here with, I was listening to one of the things, I don't know, one of your videos about the Amazon, the one click mm-hmm. to one click purchase. Yeah. Deal, one cli- yeah. yeah. And there is, everything is at our f- fingertips all the time. So it's very, very easy to acquire mm-hmm. everything. Um, and so it really takes a whole lifestyle shift to be able to live in a different way. Yes. A lot of the time we have to shock ourselves just as much as the slow carries, the slow carry alongs that we have from those little purchases, the little things we do, the combination of a credit card and being able to instantly access anything you want is just obviously a very profitable combination for, for Amazon and for other companies that provide these types of services and apps and stuff. But I found that really you have to just completely you have to just completely step back and reset and reset those uh, impulses. Okay. It's like you establish these neural pathways yes. to the thing that's so easy yep. because your brain's like, "Ooh, I know I don't feel great and so I can feel better just by doing this one tiny action. It's the path of least resistance." And I don't know what a credit card is. I'm just a brain, uh, you know, and so I'm just going <laughs> to do that over and over, yeah. right? And and so you kind of have to step back and like delete the thing and just not use it at all. For me, that was what I actually did when I discovered my own repetitive nature of those purchases, even though they were small, even though it wasn't like massively driving us into debt or anything. It's like just it was enough that it added up to so much money over time. And I had to do like a complete 90-day Amazon shopping ban where I like – I couldn't even buy something that like, oh, this is a household item. It's something that we for sure need. We use it all the time every month, but I, I wouldn't even buy it on there. I would get in the car. I would go get it from somewhere else. Oh, wow. Because literally any amount of using it is still reinforcing that neural pathway again. Totally. So that's literally the thing that I do now whenever I notice myself acting in ways that don't align with what I know matters to me. Like well, okay, cut it out. Yep. Because my brain always wants to find the shortest shortcut to that feeling, and yeah, and I had to go the other way. So yeah, yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah, our brains are so powerful in that way. I talk about neural pathways too in the course, as it relates to technology, because our devices are made to be addictive, and the apps within them especially so. And so, I actually do something just on my own. Almost every Tuesday, I'll go tech free for at least part of the day. Oh. 
and turn off my cell phone. And Tech Free Tuesday. Tech Free Tuesday. I like it. Yeah. And uh, and I won't go on my computer. It's like anything that's electronic, I just avoid. And it's amazing how uncomfortable it is for the first hour or two because my brain is like, oh, I have to text this person. Where's my phone? Oh, I forgot to do this thing. I need to just order this real quick. Or, oh, I need to check my Facebook. Like your brain is wired to go there, like you said. And so I think having regular breaks from that helps you reset. And actually the research that I've done about technology says that it only takes like a day for your brain to detox from those impulses. So if you let yourself have a day that's without a screen, then you can be feeling refreshed and kind of be out of that reactive state pretty quickly. But I think doing things like deleting apps or um, I put my social apps on the fourth page that I have to swipe to on my phone because then by that point, I'm out of the impulse and into the, oh, I'm thinking about what I'm doing right now. What am I doing? Why am I going there? Mm-hmm. And then I can close my phone before I get there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's uh, the, the intentional friction. It's like yeah. adding that space uh, that you can actually give yourself a fighting chance, right, of, yeah. of having that moment to be like, whoa, 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 wait. I didn't actually mean to open this app again because I just closed it. Yes. <laughs> right? That kind yes, of thing. Yes, definitely. So around habits and those sort of practices, do you have any particular habits or daily practices that you really like that you found helpful throughout all of this? Yeah. So I have a morning ritual. And back when I first started this, I knew that I wanted to write. And so I started implementing writing into my days in a very small way because what happens in the brain is that it doesn't really care if you sit down and write a whole novel in one sitting or if you just sit down and your goal is to write two sentences and you complete it. Like the amount of success that's registered is the same. And so if you can create small goals and complete them and get the the rush from it and register the success, then it builds momentum like a snowball going down a hill. And so I began with writing in my journal for two minutes a day after breakfast every morning, because when you attach a habit, you know this of all people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, When you attach a habit to something that you already do every day in your routine, then your brain automatically goes there. It's like, oh, it's time to write. Oh, it's time to write. And it just becomes a part of who you are after you've done it for, you know, I mean, the habit is there after 21 days, but then it becomes a part of you and feels uh, odd if you don't do it after 90. I started with that, and now I have a full-blown morning ritual that involves no technology. I get up and meditate for five minutes is probably the average, and then uh, go down and make breakfast and then write for, it's still only a couple minutes most days, and then on Tech Free Tuesdays, I'll do for an hour wow. <laughs> or so. Yeah. Um, so that is a habit that I've stuck to just for my own sanity and to feel like I have something that's just for me each day to really center. And also, so this is something that I've struggled with as someone who likes processes and routines and habits. There's another side to it because like, I'm the type of person who I decide what a goal is and I'm like, balls to the wall. I'm going to get there and I'm going to do it in the most efficient way that I can. And I don't look back. That's part of my type A personality. And what happens a lot of times is halfway through or even a day in, 
there's something about it that maybe isn't the best thing for me in my current life, or there might be a better way for me to like fit it in, but I've already decided and I'm already going. So I've created this morning routine of meditation to really check in with myself and be like, okay, what do I need today? What needs to happen for me to feel like I'm the most supported in my plan for today? And if that means adjusting the plan, I will adjust the plan and that's okay. Like flexibility is okay. (laughs) Is there something that triggers that check-in? Is there some sort of like external thing that can set that up? Because I know how easy it can be. Yeah. I'm a little different where I tend to be more right here right now, even if I'm like headed towards a thing. And, and so it can be good. Yeah. But there's what I found with these things is that it's always a double-sided coin. Yep. Presence is a double-sided coin. Being an ultra planner is a double-sided coin. Yep. And we can all benefit from lots of different aspects of these things. So yes. it, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, everything comes with its demons as well. Mm-hmm. But have you found that there's like something that can help you trigger that up? Oh, yes. Let's stop for a second. Am I still on the right path? Yes. And it's coming back to my body. I'm someone that lives up in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've noticed it, especially with... Um, I'll use an example of exercise because I like high intensity exercise. That's very, very intense for short periods of time. And so I make the goal to do as much as I can and nothing gets in my way. My brain just goes on auto and I'm like, go in. I do not feel, I kind of disengage from the pain that's going on in my body and I will just go. And I've done this before to the point when I was um, training with Muay Thai that I ended up like having a rib rib pop out of place and was like, Oh, that's uncomfortable, but I think I'm going to keep going. And then, yeah. So the answer is coming back to my body and breathing and really just checking in to be like, how am I feeling right now? Because the feelings and the sensations that are going on in your body are a part of your communication system. It's not, you're not just a brain and a head, right? We have these bodies for a reason. And so when I can check in with that, that's where I can start to feel like the intuition come up, the pain come up if I'm in a workout, like, oh, that's maybe bad pain, not good pain. Um, And so keeping that mind-body connection is, is where I find the red flags. And so when I forget to do that and don't do that and don't set myself up for that at the beginning of the day, I live through the whole day up here in my plans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Uh, I've always thought about it as like kinesthetic awareness. Yes. And it's, it does seem always funny when you sit down to meditate, uh, especially if it's later in the day. For me, I'm, a, I'm an afternoon or evening later on meditator. And I always find the aches and pains that I've been dealing with all day but all of a sudden when I am here and I recenter and I come back to it, I'm like, mm, that's weird. I have this little thing going on in my back right now. Or, oh, man, my neck is a little stiff going this way. Mm-hmm. And I've been – it's been there. It, it didn't just show up because I started paying attention to it. Right. It, it has been there. And – Having that more and more and more is something I've been also increasingly interested in. I, I was watching the, a documentary about Plum Village, the mm. the uh, 
monastery, uh, the Buddhist monastery uh, of Thich Nhat Hanh, the, the yes. Vietnamese monk. And he's, he's amazing. And they have this bell that, that chimes every hour on the hour on the campus. And so every time this rings out over the campus, everybody stops, whether they're walking, washing dishes, whatever they're doing, I guess not sleeping, but whatever they're doing, they completely stop, take a moment to just bring themselves back into the present, no matter what it is, and then continues on with Mm -hmm. their day. And that's why I was asking about reminders of little things, because I don't know if I could handle a beep or something going off every (laughs) hour all day. Yeah, it's a lot. But at the same time, the idea is fascinating. It is. Of having some external reminder and a way to, where am I right now? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And I've, there are lots of different ways to do that. And I think it, it can come back to your habits. Like if you created a breathing habit when you had lunch every day, then you'd have a midday check-in of like, okay, I'm going to breathe 10 times while my food is heating up or something like that. Or I'm going to take three deep breaths at every red stoplight that I'm at, something to that effect. But yeah, that's fascinating having a bell go off. Too bad that that couldn't just happen somehow in our world mm-hmm. and that we would all pause. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting solution mm-hmm. to to that sort of problem. And you, you would think that on that campus, everyone there is already doing deep mindfulness practices like meditation, all this stuff. And with that extra layer, it, it, I can imagine it would be a, a nice, a nice touch. Yes. You mentioned exercise and Muay Thai, which is something I've always been fascinated with and slightly terrified of, but it's one of those things I would love to do if I ever got to go study somewhere for, for a month or two. Yeah. Tell me more about exercise for you, what it does and what type of, of exercise you like the most. You said fast and intense. Uh, and so I'm curious what kind of things you practice. Yeah. I've gone through quite a fitness journey. It's always been really important to me and it helps me. I think it's, my most consistent breathing time throughout the day when I'm forced to take deep breaths in and out from exercise. And so I think that's part of why I love it so much. And then also it's, I get really energized from it. So it's always been a really important thing to me. And I've had, I've done so many different things with it. Um, I, uh, always tend to come back to running. Uh, and so I'll, I'll be doing the Lake Minnetonka half marathon this year. Wow. And I dabbled in bodybuilding and competed a couple of years ago um, and realized my partner still does it, but it's really hard on a woman's body um, because your body fat content gets really low and then your systems stop and then hormonally you get really messed up. And then also you have to weigh every morsel of food that you have. And it's very, very calculated. It's a lot of like, I'm going to force my body into this specific shape Uh, and I learned a lot from it and I had to use a lot of my knowledge around like creating habits and, and having a really positive mindset throughout the whole thing, but it's not a sustainable way of living for me. I know a lot of people who do it and that's great. And so for me, I'm always looking for what's the thing that is going to support me in my life that I'm living right now. And so that's changed in different ways, depending on what it is, what the season is and what I'm doing. And lately I, I like to do things that are really efficient and that hit all of the muscle groups so that I'm 
not spending hours in the gym. Sure. And so high intensity exercise is one way to do that. And I've been going to alchemy um, to do it because I really like being in a group format, especially since I work on by myself a lot of the time. Like I'll talk to people over the phone, but there's a little bit of like I need that human interaction and I and I'm really sensitive to environments. And there's something about that environment that's just really exciting and uplifting and 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 I love being able to go somewhere and just have someone be like, okay, class starts now. I'm going to tell you what to do for 50 minutes, and then you're going to go home. Because there's so many decisions that we make throughout a day that sometimes, even though I'm all about choosing, choosing your story, choose all the things, uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice to be able to show up and be like guided through something yep. every now and then, um, even though I've... I, I know all the things and I could do it on my own. I do end up pushing myself harder in that environment too. So the alchemy is like, is that similar to CrossFit or is it like Orange Theory or is there a specific kind of brand of what it is? Yeah, it's sort of like a yoga CrossFit hybrid. Wow. So they do yoga flow for the first part of the workout and it's like quick flow and it's not too relaxing music. It's too like pop music. Uh, And then... Depending on how the length of the class that you're in, you do 10 to 20 minutes of high intensity intervals. And so they have different things that are happening every day, but they usually end up hitting all of the muscle groups. And so some of those you use weights for, some of them are just body weight. Um, you end up doing like burpees and box jumps and all of that fun CrossFit kind of stuff. And But it's not a CrossFit gym, so it doesn't have all of the CrossFit words and the CrossFit culture as much. It has a very own, it's very own unique culture. And then it closes out every class again with a yoga flow. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds good. Sounds intense. I've been a little afraid of the CrossFit thing. And we had a guest that was very into CrossFit, totally changed his life and he loves it. And, and, um, I have taken to, to doing some of the compound lifts, which have been amazing. I've never done them before, uh, up until just this last year actually. And I've really enjoyed them. And I was probably afraid of them. Like I had benched before, but other than that, doing like squats and deadlifts and other things, totally different and it's made things a lot more efficient and I really like it. And I think I'm moving into place where maybe once we make our move, I'll try to find something that's like a more active or group based gym because you're exactly right. It's really nice to be able to go. I'm an extrovert. So have that social interaction, the the accountability from it of other people being there and expecting you there to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And then also just being told exactly what to do and not having to think about it. My fiance is a personal trainer. So I could have, well, he's a teacher too, but I could have somebody make me workouts and go and do it at his gym. But yeah, there's something about the environment. I think you just have to find the thing that works for you with your lifestyle. And the compound lifts are the quickest way to creating really like really balanced muscle in your body. Um, so that's awesome that you discovered it. It's been fun. It's been fun and, uh, challenging in different ways and Mm -hmm. with even strength versus aesthetic and different things like that. I've been experimenting with those sorts of things and it's really easy to focus on for me, fitness was always about like leaning out because I gain weight really easily. And so it was always about leaning out up until this last year, 2018 for me was like, I can just lift and 
try to get stronger and see what that's like uh, as a guy, which I, I really hadn't done since maybe high school. I was a rower. And even then, I didn't fully understand nutrition. Like yeah. I was eating a power bar for lunch and I was probably burning 6,000 calories a day wow. being 17 and rowing on the river for two hours, five days a week. Oh my gosh. Like it was, nuts. it was intense. Yet I thought I was doing myself a favor by like not eating eating that much. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I would have been so much stronger <laughs> and so much better off had I knew what like protein was at the time. Yes. So uh, it's fascinating learning about all these things and how just the food we eat, like you said, the connection between gut and brain yeah. and all of these things that tell us how to feel and what yeah. to feel. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Food is communication to your body. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it's very, very powerful. And especially if you have specific fitness goals, if your diet isn't there, I can tell you the bodybuilding thing, 80% of it was diet. They had us keep my trainer or coach had, had me do workouts every day, but it was mostly just so that I could maintain muscle mass mm -hmm. while I was leaning out. Wow. And so it was mostly, it's mostly your diet. So once you know how to how to manipulate that in the way that's going to get you the result that you want, then you've, then you've got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I literally would say 80% as well, just in my own anecdotal experience that when I eat better, things happen in the right order and yes. in the right way. And when I eat worse, uh, I don't see a whole lot of changes either mm -hmm. in strength or in, in leaning out or any of the other stuff. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And what really bugs me just as a side note, what really bothers me about that is that all the campaigns on TV, Play 60, like all these other things about kids and health and fighting childhood obesity, mm -hmm. all of it talks about movement and not mm -hmm. diet. Yeah. So much of it is about physical movement. Obviously, it's important too. Yes. But it's not like literally a cookie being 250 calories versus uh, running for half an hour burning about 300 calories. Yeah. It's like the, the, it's such an unbalanced scale when right. it comes to what you have to do to actually change the way you eat. And um, it's been such a fascinating thing and also infuriating that like we need to be talking about this as a broad spectrum thing where the food is really important and eating whole foods and all this other kind of stuff Absolutely. Uh, versus just moving being the solution. Yeah, definitely. And I think for a lot of my life, I felt like, oh, I'll just run a little longer later to burn that thing off or, and, and it's really much more healthy and balanced if you can kind of think of it from the food perspective first. And, and I like to think about the food that I eat as a way to support what I'm doing for the day rather than like, I'm hungry, I got to eat. Uh, so if I have a workout, like in my purse here today, I'm going to work out after this, I have beef jerky and a banana so that I'm not dying nice. mid-workout. Um, but if you think of it as a way to support you through your life, then I think it, it ends up being a little bit more healthy. Totally. Yeah. yeah as like fuel instead mm -hmm. of just a thing to, yeah, yep. that's good. How would you define creativity? Being someone that is doing like creative work and styling and that kind of thing, what does that look like to you? Yeah, I I define, I think I would define creativity as being able to be in a moment and allow things to happen. Mm -hmm. 
the reason why I say that is I can have a plan for something and think that it's going to turn out a certain way, even if it's a creative thing, like, uh, like an updo is what I'm thinking of for a bride. I can have it all planned out. And a lot of times the material that I'm working with, their hair in this case, it's not going to behave in exactly the way that I want it to, or maybe, maybe I don't have the right product or the product's just, you know, with the weather, something's going on. That's not what I expected. And in that moment where I have to use the materials that I have to create something beautiful and, and let that be become what it's going to become that in that moment, that's the creativity. And so I think that you have to create, create opportunities for creativity in your life. And I think that there's a balance between planning for that and then allowing it to happen. So in my own life, I am very task oriented, especially being an entrepreneur, there's like a, like an endless list of to do's. And so I tend to fill my days up with that. And within those things that, yeah, there are ways for me to be creative in my ward choice in an email or something like that of like, okay, I can try to make this creative. But when I'm really feeling the most creative is when I have blocks of time in my day where that are open, that blank, blank space is happening. And I can decide in that moment what needs to happen. And so in that instance too, creativity happens for me, when I'm taking myself out of those patterns, out of the neural pathways, even if I've created them to get a certain result, because that's when your brain literally has to think in a new way. So getting myself out of my routine, out of my comfort zone regularly is how I tend to cultivate creativity mm -hmm. in my own life. So Friday, actually, I'm going to an improv class by myself, which is terrifying, but that'll be some forced uncomfortable creativity, but I, hopefully it'll end up being really fun. It will, I'm sure, end up being horribly fun. Uh, it'll be really horribly. good. Horribly yeah. fun. Terribly fun. Yeah. It's a funny expression. <laughs> Terribly fun. Um, what inspired you to do that, the, the improv? Is this your first class? First class. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I always want to be improving and moving forward. And so... With a lot of the projects that I'm going to be working on coming up, and one of my goals is to get uh, a couple public speaking opportunities in this next year, I want to become more comfortable on stage. And I love speaking in front of people, which is ironic because I'm introverted, um, but that just means I need to recharge by myself. I actually do like delivering information in front of people, but I find myself really sticking to the thing that I've rehearsed and I'd like to be able to think more in the moment. So that's one of the things that I'm doing to get myself used to that situation before I actually need it. And then I'm going to try out a Toastmasters meeting too, nice. so to throw that in there. So yeah, I like to push myself uh, into situations that I haven't been in before. Yeah. That's where the, the growth happens yeah. and the exploration. Yeah. Cause I'm in a similar boat. I love doing, uh, talks. I love doing presentations yeah. in front of people, but the month, week, and hour, and minute before it is just terrible. Yeah. And almost every time I'm like, this is going to be the one where 
it goes terribly and I just am not going to be able to, and for some reason I stand up then it's great and I love it and yeah. I want to do more of it. And it's a weird mental game, but I myself sort of found this practice of uh, meditating on just a, a line of simply, uh, I am a talented public speaker. Mm. And I, after that first one, that was just like, wow, I was, that was not good and really authentically terrible. Uh, I, I went through this process of where for, I think two weeks straight, I sat down and closed my eyes and both said out loud and repeated just mentally in my head over and over and over the mantra, I am a talented public speaker. And I didn't believe it yet. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that I needed to say it and just say it and say it and say it until I believed it, I guess. And it felt so uncomfortable. I felt like I was lying to myself, mm. but after two weeks, I got to this place where I seriously started just believing myself. Yeah. I just said it enough that my brain was like, well, it must be true. I guess is, I don't know how that works, but it Those are must affirmations. Have been. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it totally worked because the next time that I went to give a talk, this one was for Nice Ride in front of the, uh, the downtown like guardians, the amazing people that are in downtown Minneapolis that watch the watch over things down there. Yep. Uh, there were about 50 people in the, in a room and I was talking about nice ride and I felt that pang of anxiety coming up mm -hmm. and just, I was over on the side and I, I just closed my eyes and I went, I'm a talented public speaker. Mm. And like instantly it took me back to every other time I had just been sitting at peace saying that, affirming it. And I felt amazing. Yes. And I went up and it was just like, I was just talking to a friend. That's awesome. It worked so well. Yeah. So if anyone has a fear of public speaking, seriously, that is my number one thing that, that I recommend for people. And uh, I've heard improv comedy does amazing stuff to get out of that comfort zone. And for sure. Starts allowing you to just like show up Yep. and be okay being you. Yes. I always think about this. It's like, you wouldn't plan out what you're going to say to a friend when you're showing up to get a drink together or get coffee. No. You're not like, okay, I'm going to ask her uh, how her day was. Oh, and then I'll ask about this. Like we just exist and we flow and we get into this place of, of conversation and it can yeah. be exactly the same. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know this stuff. Yeah. I know this stuff. We've been spent our lives experiencing it and it's a matter of letting it come out in that moment. So I guess but planning is really helpful too. Yeah. There's well, a and, balance. And what you did though was partially planning. So oh, affirmations are are the words that we use to describe our world. And so when you rewired that part of your brain to, to help you show up in the way that you wanted to show up, when you got that triggering feeling that before you had labeled as, I suck at public speaking, this is going to be terrible. Instead, you were able to say, I'm a great public speaker. And so, and that's planning. That's, that's you deciding this is how I want to show up and this is how I want to feel. And I, I imagine that when you sat down and did your affirmations and you went to the meditation that you were feeling feelings of what it was like to be a good public speaker. Mm -hmm. And so when you can put yourself there, that's how you create real, real results. And your brain, your brain is so powerful. It wants to be right. And so if you say, yeah. oh my God, I suck, I suck, I'm a terrible public speaker. 
That's yeah, it's gonna probably leave. probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But if you can say that I'm a great public speaker, your your brain will gather evidence for that and then try to create that for you. And so you did a little bit of pre-planning, but in a way that still allowed you to be in that moment. However, yeah, it ended up happening. So that's awesome. It it totally worked. And affirmations totally, totally work. They do. I think most often we don't give ourselves enough repetition and enough time yes. to really get it in deep. Uh, the other big one, the second layer to that was someone asked me during that time, which was crazy because we were at an event where someone else was speaking mm-hmm. and a friend asked, oh, do you like public speaking? The answer was no. <laughs> I I don't. And I answered, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. Simply to because I felt like I had to just put a line in the sand of not lying, but to simply embrace that process of being like, if I'm going to admit it internally, I need to also be truthful to it externally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And so that was almost a second layer on that that, that worked really well too. Um that ended up being true yeah. because I do love it. And it, it, it's just, to me, it's so impactful, uh, compared to sometimes sitting in front of a camera. It's so different, you know, it's so different. Um, another one thing that I really want to mention, sorry, no, that, keep that going. is, uh, that is around this idea of affirmations that I found is really helpful is talking about something you're anxious about as though it already happened. Hmm. So this is, uh, from a guy named Kyle Cease mm-hmm. and who I think I mentioned to you. Yeah, yeah. You have. And he will do this thing where he goes, hey, remember that time you gave that amazing talk? Yes. It was so great. There were all these people in the audience. They were just in completely captivated by what you had to say. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, like it was yesterday. Exactly. And you can you can build this whole picture in your brain. You're like, oh, yeah, already did it. It's yep. good. Yep. You step up and you're just replaying what already happened. Mm-hmm. And that works really well too. Yeah, that's a really good tool. And athletes use that too. They do visualizations of what it's going to look like when they get up to, you know, sprinters, when they get up to the block and when they set up and what it looks like to go through the finish line first. Like they do the brain training, the really good ones do, Mm -hmm. so that they can see themselves winning before they do it, which is awesome. That's just you deciding how you want to show up in that situation. You decided what you wanted. You saw what you wanted to feel and felt it. And then your brain created that Mm -hmm. and you can draw any reality towards you that you can create in that way once you've decided that that's what you want. And so that's great. Congratulations (laughs) on deciding that you are a great public speaker. (laughs) Yeah. And and truthfully, you know, there's always work for us in any area, right? We can affirm as much as we want that I'm the, I'm the best basketball player in the world. And you know, obviously that is not true yeah. for me, Yeah. but, um, but there's no reason why we can't just embrace this idea of who we want to become, what we want to get better at. And cause thinking we're the worst, isn't going to help us. No. So what, why, negative reinforcement has anything that you want, no. and especially not in an empowering way. And, but it is misguided to think that all you have to do is think things and then they show up for you. Right. You need to do the work. Yeah. Um, but if you're really aligning yourself and taking those steps and saying those things out loud, like that was a really big step too. That's a very mm-hmm. important thing to admit to another human being that, yes, <laughs> yeah. I do like public speaking. Um, 
if you can take the steps that, that you need to take to get there, then, then the creation happens. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, Stephanie, if you don't mind grabbing a question from the vase, we will have you answer a random question submitted by previous podcast guests. The vase. So fancy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is two questions. Is it really? Yeah. From Nora. No way. You got Nora's question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Uh, What is your best digital habit? is the first question and the second one says oh exclamation point favorite book (laughs) i love it i love that i got nora's question questions um my best digital habit is tech free tuesday and i am not great at at doing it every tuesday and it's not always like with coaching calls and and everything it's sometimes hard to work around but i at least take a chunk of time every tuesday to turn it off and it forces me to do things that are a little bit more creative. So I think that's my best digital habit. Mm-hmm. My favorite book. I, the, the book that I've returned to over and over again is The Alchemist. And I will, I'll still call that my favorite book because every time that I've read it, I get something different from it. And it's such a simple story, but it has a lot of layers of, of things happening and messages in it, which I love. And the last time that I read it was right before I left my job and started my own business. And uh, I just love the magic in the story and the idea of pursuing your personal legend. Mm -hmm. So that would be my favorite book. That's a great book. I, I just, well, I listened to it. You just read it. I just read it through your ears. Through my ears uh-huh. uh, for the first time like three months ago. Oh, and wow. I kept hearing about it over and over. And I have friends that read that book every year, at yeah. least once a year. Yeah. So if you haven't, uh, if you're listening and you haven't read that yet, definitely give it a read. Do it. Yeah, it's and a great it's a book. pretty quick read too. So where can people find you online and all of the wonderful things you're doing? Yeah. So my business is called Imbue, which stands for Empowerment and Beauty. And so you can find me online at imbue-mn.com. The website's going through a remodel right now, but maybe by the time this episode airs, it'll be all back on track. And then on Facebook and Instagram. uh, And the Instagram handle is imbue-mn. And how do you spell that? E-M-B-E-A-U-M-N. Perfect. And for those listening, there will be show notes on the BreakTheTwitch.com website as well, where you can find all of this good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for (laughs) having me. Thank you for coming and and being on. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. And just like that, my conversation with Stephanie is concluded. And season two of the Break the Twitch podcast is complete. You may see a couple uh, bonus episodes pop up in your feed if you're watching in between now and the introduction of season three. So do keep an eye on that. And for more, check out BreakTheTwitch.com for articles, YouTube videos, and all of the regular stuff we produce here at Break the Twitch. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And we will see you very soon.